God, God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we get to share every week. God, we get to come and we get to worship. We get to come and pray, come and sing, come and open up your word, God. And we just pray that you would uh, just continue to bless this time. We know that you blessed us every week. We know that you are here every week with us. And so, God, we just pray that as, as we open up your word, that you would speak through me, God. That it wouldn't be my words that are coming out of my mouth, but it would be your words for your people on your day, God. This is all about you. It is all for you. For no other reason are we here. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in week 10, actually, of our More Than a Feeling series, uh, but kind of week two of our part two of this series. As we've been talking, we've spent the first eight weeks talking about what we believe, why we believe it, why it's important, why, why the things that we believe are, are not based on feeling. They're based on much more than a feeling. They're based on the truth that we have in our scripture, the, the word of God revealed to us through his word. And so uh, if the, this whole part two is really this, if we really believe what we say we believe, if the things that we have just talked about believing because of what scripture says, if that is all true and we are in, if we say yes to Jesus, yes to Christ, what are some ways in which, what are some things that we need to be aware of, what are some practices that we need to put into place in our lives to mature into the image of Christ the way that God would have us to do? What are some practices that you and I can put in our lives and have? And last week we talked about prayer. We talked about what prayer is. We said prayer is praying with gut level honesty for everything that matters to you continually and then listening for God's response. Taking time specifically to listen is praying with gut level honesty about everything that matters to you constantly and then listening. Remember last week I, I told you about a guy, uh, his name, uh, let me see here, Smith Wigglesworth. Remember the most British name I could, I could, I didn't even make it up. He is actually a British theologian. Smith Wigglesworth, uh, he said this, he said, I never pray for more than 20 minutes, but I never go 20 minutes without praying. All right, just pray continually, praying for everything that matters to us honestly. But there's something I didn't really get to talk about last, yesterday, and I want to just, just talk about this morning. Everything that matters to us. There is a lot that matters to us. Right? We talk about all kinds of things that matter to us, and oftentimes those prayers tend to be a little self-centered, self-focused. I was trying to think this week about a way to get our prayers others focused, outside focused, outside of ourselves, that we would make sure that every time we pray, that we would be praying for, for something or someone that is not us. And so in your bulletin, there is a, uh, there's another little flyer. It looks like this. It just says 1111 on it. I want this to be a reminder for you. Every single day, here's what the ones mean. One prayer for one person for one minute at one o'clock. One prayer for one person for one minute at one o'clock. I want you to just think, God, who, who do you want me to pray for today? Set a reminder in your phone. Put this on your fridge. Set a reminder wherever you can get alerts to, to just remind yourself. If you've got a watch, set an alarm on your watch. It says, hey, it's one o'clock, it's time to pray. And then just spend one minute praying for one person about one thing. 
It's, it's, it's really that simple. But I think as we think about others and as we pray for others, God will bless those prayers. And I think God will move in and through us as we, as we become others-focused in the way that we pray. That's just one, 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 one. One prayer for one person, for one thing, for one minute at one o'clock. That was five ones. There's an extra one in there. but <laughs> One prayer for one person, for one minute at one o'clock. There it is. So... Uh, just would you just continue to pray with me this week? I'm going to set an alarm in my phone as well. I'm going to do this with you. So, but <clears throat> this this morning we're going to move on to a different practice and one that is probably just as important, if not more important. We're going to go into the practice of worship today. What does it mean to worship? What does Scripture say about worship? What is what does the Bible say that we need to be doing when we worship? How do we worship? What is worship? All of these questions need to be answered. And really, we'll talk about kind of two different kinds of worship today. We're going to talk about corporate worship, which is what we're doing right here, right now. As a body of Christ, we are coming together to worship God. We sing, we open up the Word, we pray. Now, some of you, when I said worship, you heard music, uh, and that's not, that's not worship. Worship includes music, but worship is not equal to music. There's a lot of ways in which we worship God. We worship in the way that we pray. We worship in the way that we open up the Word. As we open up the Word and we, we hear about Him, we are worshiping God. We are giving God glory. We are giving God the, we're showing God how much He is worth to us. Worship is literally worth-ship. We are showing God how much He is worth. And so worship, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to worship corporately, together, as a group, what it means to have some personal worship, what does it mean to, to worship by myself, because if all we are doing, if the only worship time we have is one hour a week on the weekend, we're not doing it right. Worship is not meant to be a, a weekend thing, a one hour a week thing. Worship is really meant to be a lifestyle. Worship is meant to be the way that we live, the way that we live our lives, the way that we speak to other people, the way that we, the way that we dive into the Word, the way that we pray. All of this is worship. Everything you do is an act of worship to the God who made you and knows you and loves you. Every single thing that you do. So what does Scripture say about worship? Worship is an expression of awe and reverence to God. There's another theologian. His name is Edmund Clowney. He's a, a Presbyterian theologian. He says this about, about worship. Reverent corporate worship is not optional for the church of God. It is not a form of group behavior to be accepted just because it's long tradition or it's acceptability in many, in many cultures. I.e., this is not something we do because we're supposed to do this in our Sunday routine. Rather, corporate worship brings to expression the very being of the church. It manifests on earth the very reality of the heavenly assembly. Now, what is he talking about here? He is talking about worship being just a glimpse of what we will see in heaven. If you're curious what that is going to be, if you want to turn to the end of the book, Revelation chapter 7, uh, verse 6. <coughs> Here's what this says. Sorry, verse 9. After this I looked, 
And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. (coughs) This is a picture of, of everyone coming together and worshiping God. When we come together for our one hour on the weekends, we are, we're not just doing it because we feel like we have to. We're not just doing it because we feel like this is, a, this is a duty of ours. As a duty, we need to go to church. We are going to church to worship as a body of Christ as just a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. When we sing our praise, we praise the same God that we will be praising in heaven when we go. This is, this is just a glimpse of what is going to happen in the future. It's just a taste. It's a taste of what we're going to experience. So what is worship? What does the Bible say about worship? How do we get to this end? Revelation 7, 9. Where everyone is, is worshiping. Everyone is shouting to God and thanking Him for salvation. Thanking Him for who He is. How do we get to this point? What is worship? <coughs> We're going to be going over a lot of scripture today uh, because scripture is pretty clear about what worship is. Scripture is pretty clear about how, how worship happens, what needs to be the focus of scripture. And, and I think really the main thing that all of scripture points to is this, that worship has to be God-centered. Worship 100% has to be focused on God, God-centered. Uh, we read in, in Psalm 29, again, we're going to... Just, just keep going through Scripture. We read in Psalm 29. Uh, here's, what, here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. I mean, you read this, any of the Psalms, really, most of the Psalms, and you get this picture that we just need to be people that are worshiping God because of who He is. God, we need all the glory, all the honor goes to God. We pray this every time. God, all glory and honor go to you. This is, this is worship. We give the glory to God. Psalm 147. Verse 1, praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praises to our God? How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. How fitting is it to praise God? It is, it is very fitting for us to come and to praise God because God deserves everything. We talked in the very first week of this series about who God is, what we believe about God, that we believe that God is the creator of all things. We believe that God is the holy, just creator of all things. This God who is, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is ever-present. This same God is the God that we worship. When we sing songs like we did this morning, we are singing to this God. I think we lose track of that sometimes. Sometimes we just come and we sing, and, and it's just, it's hard sometimes. It just feels like a routine. It feels like we have to. It feels like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But if we come into this place and we realize, look, this is the God that I'm praying. This is the God that I'm worshiping. These songs that we sing begin to come alive. Even this is last song. Just glory, all glory goes to God. 
that's just a song about how, how holy and powerful this God that we sing to is. All right, Psalm 46.10. Some, some of you know this verse. He says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we stop there, but it keeps going. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God's desire is that he would be worshipped. God's desire is that we would bring him glory. Isaiah 43, 7 talks about this as well. Isaiah 43, chapter 7, or Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, why? For my glory. Whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God desires the glory. God desires that we would give him the glory. God deserves all of the glory. I mean, you can't, you can't look around and see anything that God has not made by his hands. We were just at, uh, this last week, I was up in Sugar Pine with my family. Uh, the district had family camp and they asked me to run all the games. And Ashley one night, just we were, it was a late night game on Wednesday night and Ashley looked up and she just said, I saw a shooting star. And you look up, and this is often something we don't do. We don't just kind of look up sometimes. They're, you can just see stars forever. And you think about it. Every single one of those stars is breathed out by God. This is the God that we worship. This, this same God, we, we give him praise. We were created for the glory of God. We were created to give God glory. This is what worship is. Even in the New Testament, Romans 11, verse, verse 33 to 36, really, there's a, there's a doxology here. It's just, just, this, just a word of worship. It says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. Amen. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And Romans chapter 11. This is, this is worship. This is a word of worship. Just giving God the praise that he is due. Giving God the glory that he is due. In worship, God gets the glory. It is God-centered. God is the one who gets the glory in worship. But as we worship, we get to enjoy the glory of God. As we worship, we get to be in the presence of God. When we worship, we need to have a high, a high view of God. Again, we talked in week one of this series of who God is and what He's about and how He, is, how he has created us, how He is involved in our lives. This same God. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we come in when, we, when the music starts, when, the, when we open up the word, when we pray together, when we take communion together, when we baptize someone. We, we are worshiping and giving glory to the God who created us and deserved it all. Worship has to be God-centered. Worship is also gospel-driven. It's God-centered it is gospel-driven. Worship is all about the good news. When we worship, we are thanking God and praising God that he provided a sacrifice for us that we might be with him forever in eternity. 
we praise him because we were once sinners. But because of his great love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserve to die so that we might live eternally with him forever. This is the gospel. This is why we worship. Because God, God has saved each and every one of us. And he has saved everyone in the whole world should they choose to accept it. Right? The grace of God is out there for the taking. It is a free gift to anyone who would say yes. And this is why we worship. It is God-centered. It is gospel-driven. We, we will never get over the gospel. I, I hope so, at least. I hope we never get tired of the gospel. I hope we never get tired of the fact that God saved each and every one of us. I hope we never get tired of the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I hope that never gets old for us. And we worship because of that. The gospel is what drives our worship. It has to be what drives our worship. It shapes what we sing. It shapes our prayers. It shapes everything that we do. Because it's driven by the gospel. Here's another thing. Worship has to be sincere. It has to come from an honest place in our hearts. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is talking to some, uh, some Pharisees, and they are basically uh, questioning him about uh, why he lets his disciples break tradition. Why he lets his disciples... Uh, well, I'll just read it. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. I mean, that's a fair question, right? You've got to wash your hands before you eat, right? But they're questioning him on more than that. They're questioning him not just on kind of sanitary issues. They're questioning him about tradition. Why, why, do you, why do your disciples break this tradition? And Jesus gives them an answer. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. I want you to just hear... Uh, Jesus is quoting Isaiah here. It's in Isaiah chapter 27 if you want to go look. Isaiah is prophesying as well. But Jesus uses these words to these, to these Pharisees here. He says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, he says. Now, I just want you to think about just those three lines. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And because of that, they worship me in vain. God says, if you're going to come into this place and sing these songs, but not mean it in your heart, 
you might as well just not. Because you're doing it in vain. When we come and we sing these songs, even this song today, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Some of us can sing that from a deep, honest place. Some of us have felt that fear. We have felt that kind of pain. And then we stand in the love of God and we feel peace. When we sing unchanging, great is your faithfulness. You never change. We sing this from an honest place of, God, I, I have seen your faithfulness. God, I have seen in my life. I can look back and I can, I can tell you the places where God has been faithful. I can tell you the places in which God has shown up in my life in a very real way. So when I sing this song, Unchanging, I know that great is, great is his faithfulness. He is never going to change. This God that was and is and is to come. This is, this is my God and I, I worship him. Even the last song we sang, all the earth will shout your praise. Great are you, Lord. And this, these, these words of our songs are very intentional words. To be able to, to, to say from a very honest place, a very honest place in our heart, not just, not just talking words or singing songs or anything, but a very real place to say, God, you are great. I give you honor. Again, at camp this week, there was a, there was a song that we sang. And I just, I couldn't help. I was just crying. I just, I, I was singing these words and they just felt so real to me. They felt so it was just, there was just an emotional response to this song because of just the words that I was singing. Jesus Christ, you're my living hope. That's just, I was singing in worship from a very honest place in the bottom of my heart. It wasn't just words coming out of my mouth. Sometimes we sit and we just, we go through the motions and we come and we sing and it's just words and, and even God says in this passage, Jesus, these are red letters in my Bible. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. I don't want to be someone who worships in vain. I don't want to come into this place and I don't want to sing another song if, if it's just going to be words coming out of my mouth. I want it to be from the depths of who I am, worshiping the God who made me, who loves me, who wants to be in a relationship with me. This, this same God who's, who, who saved me, again, this is gospel driven. This God, I, I want my worship to come from a very honest place in me. And I hope that's my prayer for our church. I hope that's your prayer for yourself as well, that as we come and we worship, even as you're sitting in your car and as you hear a song and you're worshiping or as you open up your word and as, you are, as you're reading and as you're just praying, I hope these, these prayers are not just words that we speak. We talked about this a little bit last week. I hope it's not just words that we speak, words that we feel like we have to say. Remember I asked you last week, when you pray, when you address God, are you addressing him because that's how you know him or are you addressing him like that because that's how you've been taught? Right, let our prayers be honest and let's, let's call God because of who we know God to be. Let's worship God because of who we know God to be. All of, all of these practices that we're going to be talking about over the next uh, all, all summer need to be 
out of an honest place in our hearts. We're not here just to pay lip service to God. It has to be God-centered. It has to be gospel-driven. It has to be sincere. But here's the, here's the greatest thing I think about worship. When we worship, it is fuel for our mission. See, we worship a God who is calling us to go. Calling us to go make a difference in people's lives. Go make a difference in our communities. This is why we make disciples of all nations. Because we really believe that our God is worth it. We believe that our God should be known in all of the nations. Because our God is the one true God. We don't believe that Buddha is is worth our worship or anybody's worship. We don't believe that any other God is worth anybody's worship. We believe that our God is the one true God and is worthy of all of our praise. Yeah, the mission of God, we, when we talked in week two about Jesus, we talked in Philippians, how, how the, really the mission of Jesus is this. Jesus was God, he became human, he humbled himself on a cross. Why? So that every knee would bow and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Every knee and every bow would worship. That's what Jesus was here for. That's what Jesus calls us for. When we worship, this is, this is fuel for the mission. We are going out. It drives the way that we pray. God, may your kingdom come. God, may every, everyone come to know you. May your kingdom come. It, sh- it changes the way that we give. It shapes the way that we give. We don't give, again, the same way. It's not lip service. It's not, we don't give out of duty. We give out of love. We give out of worship. It changes the way that we go. Because as we go, we go and worship. Because we believe that God is worth it. If we really believe that God is who he says he is, that he can do the things he says he'll do, if that is truly what we believe, then God deserves not only our praise, but the praise of the world. So when we go out of this place, we go into a world where we go out and we praise and we call other people into this praise. We call other people into this worship. We call other people into the kingdom. It changes everything. I hope you're, I hope you're hearing me this morning. Worship is more than just coming to church for an hour on the weekend and singing some songs and opening up the word. If that's the only worship that we do, man... We're missing it. Worship has to come from deep within us. Worship has to be just a part of who we are. It's just, it is, worship is a lifestyle. Amen. And again, we do all that together here. And there's a place for corporate worship. Even in Scripture, there's a place for corporate worship. Acts chapter 2, who we kind of base our our connect, grow, serve off of. Right, they were devoted to each other. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to worship. But it's got to be more. It's got to be more than just a corporate worship. I, I hope that, that you're hearing me this morning. Worship is more than just a few songs. 
It's more than just an hour on the weekends. If we really believe those first eight weeks of the series are true, that God is who he says he is, that Jesus came to save us, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that this book is the the true word of God, if we believe that the church is the place where believers come to grow, this is the right environment for us, if we believe in eternity, if we believe that faith is essential to a believer, if we believe all of this stuff that we talked about, then really the only practical response is, is worship. I mean, how could you believe all of this stuff and not just be driven to worship God? How could you believe, all, even just week one, two, three, how could you believe who God is and who Jesus is and who, why he came to us and, and how we are saved through him? How could you know that and not worship? It has to be more than an hour on the weekends. It has to come from a deep spot within us, an honest spot within us. Last week we talked about gut-level honesty. It's the same thing. We need to worship with gut-level honesty. Amen. To the God who made us, and just like last week, it needs to be continually. So let's go out this week, and let's live lives of worship. And here's what happens when we live lives of worship. People see it, and they think, that's different. I want that. Why are they so joyful? Even if we're not happy, why are they so joyful? And it just opens doors, wide open, to be able to share the gospel, to bring others in. And inevitably, that we would see Revelation 7-9 come to pass. That a great multitude that no one can count. All singing and praising the Father in heaven. Salvation comes from this God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we just give you praise in this place, God. God, we come and we worship you. God, this week, would we go out and would we live lives of worship? Would this, this idea of worship not just be something that we come and we do on the weekends, but it would just be a, a lifestyle for us, that we would come and live, live lives of worship, that every single thing that we do, every single word that we say, every prayer that we pray, every, every song that we sing, whether it be on the radio or here in the weekend or wherever, would we just have in our minds that you are who you are? And we worship you for it, God. God, you are powerful. God, you are, you are mighty. God, you are our Savior. You are our healer. God, would you, we just, just be reminded of all the reasons that we have to worship you this week. Would we live lives of worship? And would we come back one week from right now? And would we just be overflowing with worship? God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Before you go, let me just...
Say a word of blessing over you. Would you just hold out your hands just receive this blessing? May our God, all-powerful, mighty creator, the God who desires worship and deserves worship, may he empower you this week. May he remind you of who he is and who he has been in your life. And may that knowledge drive you to live a life of worship that makes a difference in your community, wherever you may find yourself this week. Go in the grace and the peace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.